Hi there. You're listening to Happy Hostess Podcast with Christy Lalonde. I'll be sharing episodes each week to help you entertain and welcome guests into your home without all the stress. There will be guest interviews with party planning and hospitality experts that share their secrets to becoming a confident hostess. So get comfortable as we find the joy in celebrating life's big and small moments. Hello, and welcome to the 30th episode of the Happy Hostess podcast. Before I introduce my guest today, let me tell you about one of my awesome listeners that left a review on Apple Podcast. L. New Canaan said, I absolutely love this podcast, informative and fun all around. Let me tell you, L. New Canaan, I'm so grateful for you and that you took the time to leave a review. It helps the show so much, and I just love getting feedback from you and all my listeners. I'm so happy to tell you today that I have Amy Long here of The Daily Hostess, the lifestyle brand that helps families build community and connection through hosting in their home. She also has a podcast, Conversations with the Hostess, where she interviews leading guests in the hosting and party industry. I am so excited to have you here today, Amy. Thank you for coming. Thank you so much, Christy. It's fun to be on the side of the the podcast mic. (laughs) I bet it's a little different. Yeah. So why don't you start with telling us a little bit about yourself and how you got here? Yeah, sure. So I think it all really starts with the fact that I am in the Navy. I'm a surface warfare officer and met my husband that way. And we have moved around a lot because we're both in the military. So as we moved around, we were never near our family and we had to kind of make family along the way and make family from our friends. And while I was active duty in the Navy early in our marriage, it was really easy because our work friends were kind of like our family and it was all very built in. And then I got off of active duty when we started our family and my husband's job took us to a location where we didn't have as much built-in community with his work. And so we just kind of had to make our community ourselves. And it was the first time really that I realized, you know, it's a little bit harder to like go out there and make friends and build a support system whenever it's not as built in as it is in the military. So um, that's when I just realized that community is super important to us. You know, we we didn't have family around. You have kids now that you're like, who do I call in case of an emergency? All those kinds of things. And you just really have to rely on the people that you build your support system with and build your community. And so... That's super important to me. I have always loved hosting and entertaining. So the way that I tend to try and create that community is by inviting people into my house, whether it be for a birthday or a holiday or just, you know, I made too much chili, come over and have some. It's mm-hmm. just my way to invite people in and and build that support system and get close to people is by inviting them in. And then I love all the little details that go along with it too. So we enjoy entertaining and it's kind of out of necessity because we haven't lived near family in, gosh, probably 15 plus years or so. So it's it's been a requirement and I feel like we've done a decent job of it, but it's something that we now just know that this is what we have to do. We have to build our community. We have to invite people in. We have to have a support system because it's just how we live our lives now. That's so interesting from that point of view because while you realize that you have to do that, many of us 
sometimes when we're not in that situation and we have friends and family around, sometimes can neglect inviting them over and kind of lose track because we take them for granted. So that's really interesting from the kind of the opposite point of view, but it does drive home how important it is. Yeah, I almost find it more odd when people do have, like I always use my sister-in-law for an example. She lives essentially next door to her parents, my in-laws. And I just find it so strange that she always like constantly has somebody to call or literally run down the road and they're right there. And in my experience, especially with like kids and family and my husband and I both in the military, like our schedules are kind of crazy sometimes and stuff. I just find myself like jumping through hoops a lot of time to be able to find, you know, last minute childcare or, oh, we're not going home for this holiday. Who can we invite over? And it's, I find it so strange when people are like, oh, I just call my mom or, oh, I just call my sister. And I'm like, that's never an option for me. What is that like? <laughs> right. So strange. We do take it for granted many times. Yeah. So what made you start your podcast conversations with the hostess? What were you hoping for? What were your goals? Yeah. So I guess initially I started a blog and the first year that my daughter was born, so nine years ago, which is crazy to think about at this point, when I got off active duty of being in the Navy, I was home with a new baby and was like, I can't just do this all the time. And I, we host a lot. We have a lot of parties. Why don't I document it? So I started a blog, The Daily Hostess. And so that was going for lots of years. And then in 2020, when the world shut down, we were living in England and it became so, so clear that the lack of being with friends, getting out and doing things with people, gathering with people, like not having that really took a hit on my mental health. And I realized, you know what, maybe I'll just start a podcast. I can actually at least just talk to people since I can't meet up with people or do things. So it was something I had been thinking about. And that was really the the launch pad for it of being like, I this is the only way I can get together with people is over Zoom and talk about stuff. So I started conversations with the hostess. And it's really just a space to encourage others to open their home, invite others in, become vulnerable with people and share ideas and ways that we can build community through hosting. Because I just think it's the easiest way to get to know somebody really well is by inviting them into your home or going into somebody else's home for a gathering, a dinner party or whatever. Because your home is like your safe space. It is where you can be most yourself, where you can be vulnerable. And I think that is what's really going to create deeper connections amongst people. And so if you're able to do that, then you'll have deep connected friendships that you rely on over and over again. You can go months without talking, pick right back up, or years without seeing each other, pick right back up because you do have this deep connection from having them in your home and you know sharing who you really are. So the podcast encourages that. I tend to talk to a lot of military spouses and other party experts because as a military spouse, you do move you know every two to three years a lot of times. A lot of guests that I've had on have moved nearly every year. So when you're doing that over and over again, like I said, the military has the great benefit of it is that there is a lot of built-in community. You have work friends and other spouses and other families that can understand your lifestyle and what you're going through and can kind of band together. But even if you don't have that, you get really used to having to like reestablish friend groups and build a support system and build a community 
over and over and over again. So I think military spouses are really good at building community because it's what we have to do in order to just like live our lives and survive and never work picking up and moving all the time. So I talk to military spouses. I talk to party experts that, you know, love entertaining and love hosting and have all the really great tips and ideas to make it stress-free and beautiful and easy and fun. So that's what I love talking to them about. And I really do hope it's an encouragement for others to start hosting so that they can build those connections. Well, from my experience, it definitely is. You have had some really wonderful guests and it's been very inspirational, even for me, someone that is already on board with your mission, (laughs) just (laughs) giving, you know, giving practical tips and reason to build relationships and taking the time and the thought to do so really can enrich our lives. Yeah, I totally agree. Now, when you were growing up, did your family entertain a lot? I love this question. I've actually started asking a lot of my guests this because I think it's so interesting to hear kind of how people grew up versus, you know, what they're doing now. And to be honest, no, my family did not. I remember like thinking back, like, I don't really know if my parents had a whole lot of friends because they didn't post a lot. There were, there's a few times that stick out. Like I remember my mom and my stepdad had a couple of friends that they would have kind of like game nights with. And I remember as a younger kid going over for game night and it being like midnight by the time they left and falling asleep on their couch and stuff, kind of, you know, the kids were there while they were having fun and we would just fall asleep. So that would happen a few times, but I just never really thought of my parents as ones that hosted because they just didn't seem to have a lot of friends, which is just kind of funny thinking back now. But knowing that about my family and kind of how I grew up, it is a really strong value of mine to make sure that my kids see people in our home, see that my husband and I have friends, our lives aren't, you know, insular and that we just stick to the four of us. It's, you know, we share what we have with others, we invite other people in and, you know, the grownups can have fun with their friends too. And it's a bonus if the kids all get along and can have fun too. But it's a value of mine that I want my kids to to see that it's okay for grownups to have friends, grownups can entertain, it's okay to invite people in and share what you have and, you know, show your love in that way. And I think it's resonating. My daughter tends to be a bit of a planner, kind of like I am, and will, you know, randomly decide she wants to make a charcuterie board for lunch instead of like a regular sandwich or something. So I think some of it's rubbing off, which is good. But it's it's a value of mine because I didn't necessarily see that growing up. It's always interesting to see what we grew up with, how it affects. Sometimes we'll do the exact exact same thing, just continue in the same ways, or sometimes it'll spark us to do the exact opposite. So it's always fun to see how people's, what they've grown up with. Now, you touched yeah. on it a little bit, but what about, what do you enjoy now the most when you're entertaining like small get-togethers parties casual formal all of the above <laughs> <laughs> so i will say life does change after you have kids yeah um, i before kids my husband and i were both in the military say we were dink dual income no kids and we had some really large parties same the Mayo parties our birthday parties were always over the top it was a lot of fun and usually a lot of people and after kids, that the guest list and the craziness of the parties definitely goes down quite a bit. But I think anytime you can get people together is great. And to be honest, even if it is smaller, 
I tend to put about the same amount of effort into it as I would like a bigger party. So, you know, I sometimes come up with a theme or a plan. I put a tablescape together. I have a menu, even if it is just one other family coming over. If it's something that's planned, sometimes things are a little bit more spontaneous and it's just like, hey, come over, we're ordering pizza. And that's great too. But if, if it's something that I can plan ahead, I'm probably putting just as much effort into something small as I am a bigger party. So, but it's, it's what I enjoy doing or what I, I like. So I don't, I don't mind doing that. And that doesn't have to be the case for everybody else. Now, with your experience, hearing other people's experiences with entertaining a lot, do you hear a lot of fears that might keep people from entertaining in their home more? Definitely. So talking about these kinds of things for the past nearly decade, you know, I probably have like 300 blog posts. I've covered every party or holiday you can think of on the blog. A lot of people will just like uninvited tell me their issues with hosting and entertaining. <laughs> and so, which is fine. I'm happy to listen to it, you know, or I'll post something or I'll share something or have a podcast episode about something and it's like, oh, I can never do that. And I think it all kind of boils down to this like fear of being vulnerable but there are some like very specific things people say like hold them back from hosting and it's usually like house isn't good enough or it's not clean enough I don't want to spend much time cleaning I have to clean the whole thing before I can invite somebody over or I don't know how to cook very well or I'm worried about feeding enough people or having enough food or that it's going to taste well so like the food is always something that holds people back because as Americans I think that's what most of our like gatherings revolve around is the food or it's like I don't really have any like who am I supposed to invite I don't have any friends which that's probably like step number one is to like right. find somebody and invite them or like and like I said, I thoroughly enjoy entertaining and hosting. It's fun for me, but that's not the case for everybody. So people that just like don't think it's that fun or they don't know where to start because it's not like in their wheelhouse of things that they think they're good at or even are interested in. So it's like the cleaning and house, the food, you know, no friends or nobody to really invite. And then it's not like something they're even interested in. So people will just kind of come up to me and tell me that stuff sometimes which is fine. But it is interesting that it, a lot of the fears holding people back, it's like they all kind of revolve around those kind of four central things. And can you really find like one thing in particular where these fears might originate from? Uh, this this fear, like what is like at the root, what is really holding me back? And like, I am not a psychologist, but in my experience, I think a lot of it has to be, they're like scared to be either like they're scared to mess up they think it has to be perfect or they're scared to let somebody see them mess up or scared to let somebody see, you know, their home, their safe space, and they're scared to be vulnerable. They're not willing to, you know, or like this fear of judgment that if I do mess up or if somebody comes in and they see that I have dishes in the sink or like there's dust on my cabinets or the kids have toys everywhere or whatever, like they're going to see this mess and think that my life isn't perfect. And like no one's life is perfect. Like we should not be judging others. Like, you know, can't throw stones in a glass house. Like we all have our issues. We all have our messes. We all have, you know, things in our lives that maybe aren't the way that we want them to be, but we shouldn't let that hold us back because like I said, everybody is feeling that way. Everybody's, you know, you're not the only one. And if you let that hold you back, you're really keeping things from your life that could be super beneficial to you. It could be a really great friendship. It could be a really great support person for your teenage child. It could, you know, there are some 
there's something that you're going to be losing by not inviting people over and letting those fears hold you back when, like I said, we all have our issues. You're not the only one. And it's kind of hard to adjust our mindset to that a lot of times. That is so true. And I never really thought about the word vulnerable until you started listing off the things. And then you said vulnerable. I, I really think that that is a word that just sums it up. Is they're afraid to be vulnerable, which is what makes us more close to people in, in the end is being vulnerable and open with people. Exactly. Yeah. You're going to have such a deeper connection whenever you can talk to somebody about the fact that like, well, you know, you know, my child is acting not the way that they should be. And we're having to deal with this or like, you know, it's taking us longer to get the bathroom fixed. You know, I mean, those are very surface level things, but when you can kind of share your mess with somebody, it's going to make that connection a lot deeper. It makes you more real. It makes you more relatable. I can remember one instance when I went to a friend's house, Uh, her husband and I worked together on one of my ships and he was at work one evening and I went over and was chatting with her. And I just, I can always look back and remember that one night where we both got just super raw talking about our families and things like that. We got into like such a deep conversation about stuff and it was really raw that like, I know looking back in that friendship, like that is the moment that I realized like, this is going to be a friend for life. We have shared you know, so many like raw moments in our lives and we're so honest with each other and we're vulnerable with each other that I know that I can always count on her no matter what. And that's completely true. I've known her, gosh, for 15 years or something now. And, and, you know, we can go years without seeing each other, thanks to the military. And then something happens where we're both in the same place and you kind of just like pick right back up where you left off. But if it weren't for that moment of being super vulnerable and super raw, I don't know that we would have the same relationship that we do now. So um, like I said, if you're not willing to do that, it can really hold back a lot of really great things from your life. That is very, very true. And do you have any ways of, or suggestions, I guess, for the listeners to overcome these fears? I think having like a conversation with yourself of like, okay, how, especially if you're in a new situation, whenever, you know, we move a lot, you're trying to like enter a new group, whether it be the school moms or like your church group or whatever it might be, if you're trying to kind of make friends with people and join into a community with somebody, then I think you need to have a conversation with yourself of going in, being super intentional and super honest and saying like, I know my end goal here is to have a really great relationship. So that means I'm going to have to be honest and raw and vulnerable and being okay with that. And then some practical things I think that we have to remind ourselves of is that you know, generally everybody wants to be invited. Everybody wants to be included. It's not a fun feeling when you're feeling isolated or you're, you know, not included in something. So be the person that does the inviting if you're not getting invited and know that, you know, it might be hard for you to actually invite somebody over because you're worried about your house or you're the food or whatever, but you are providing a really great experience for somebody, no matter what that experience is, because you've taken that initial step of inviting them you know, you're probably providing a meal for them. So that's like one less meal that they're going to have to cook for themselves, which we can all be happy about. And you're making them feel included, which is a great feeling for people. Yes. When you receive an invitation, especially these days, going into another person's home, it really is an honor that they want to be with you and they want to get to know you better. Exactly. I mean, we can all go like meet for a coffee or whatever, but it's, I don't think it hits the same as it does whenever you're invited over to dinner to somebody's house. 
no, there's definitely something more intimate when it comes to someone's home as opposed to a restaurant or coffee shop. Yeah. Well, I like to ask all of my guests, what does hospitality really mean to you? I think this is a great question. I feel like I I feel like I'm repeating myself, but it's just it, it really is like true to my core how I feel. It's, you know, hospitality and inviting somebody in is really about making someone else feel like they're a part of my community and kind of welcoming them in and then hopefully that feeling being reciprocated that I'm also a part of their community and you know I just want to make people feel included and invited because I've definitely been in situations where you know you're trying to like make friends or you're trying to kind of like break into a group and then you're just not feeling that welcome reciprocation of the person that you're trying to like connect with and so I don't ever want to make somebody else feel that way so Hospitality really means opening my home and inviting others in so that they can be a part of my community. And do you have any tips for once they're in your home about how to make them feel welcome and relaxed? Yeah, for sure. I think generally, because it is kind of rare sometimes these days to like be invited to somebody's house, especially if it's not like your family or something, we can almost feel awkward and we don't really know what to do. Even as somebody that hosts a lot, I still feel that way whenever I have like somebody new into my house. And I think that like initial moment at the front door or, you know, wherever you're greeting them can be like really impactful, either in a good way or a bad way. So if you're like saying hi, and I'm so glad you're here, it's like such a simple thing, but it makes such a big difference because we can sometimes, and I've even caught myself doing this where we just kind of like stand around and don't really say anything at the front door, like, hi, come on in. And then it's just kind of like dead silence. So you know, telling somebody that you're grateful that they're there, I think is simple, but a really impactful way to make them feel welcome. Showing them where things are like, hey, you can put your shoes here, you can put your coat here, or let me take that from you. So that way people aren't, you know, unsure of what they need to do with their things or with their body or with their stuff. And then, you know, offer something that you think they might need. You know, if you need to use the restroom, here's where it is. Can I get you something to drink or come sit down, make yourself comfortable? You know, so making, you know, putting that offer out there for something that they need, showing them where things are, because there's nothing worse than like not knowing if you should keep your shoes on or keep them off or things like that. And then telling them that you're grateful that they're there, I think is really important. That Just that initial moment at the front door is really important. That's true. First impressions are everything. It really sets the tone. Now, since you have entertained quite a bit and you've done all kinds of parties and What do you do to keep the stress to a minimum when you're getting ready and throughout the event? Sure. So I will say in my experience, I used to get so stressed. And then now after having, I don't know, I would consider myself just like an experienced entertainer. Like there are so many things I don't care about anymore that I used to care about so much. So first of all, just realizing like it doesn't have to be perfect you know, if the food's not done on time, it's fine. You'll eventually eat. If it's burned, it's fine. You can always call for a pizza. Like knowing that it doesn't have to be perfect and having that mindset going in can help maybe keep the stress a little bit lower. Planning things well in advance is like the number one way to keep the stress to a minimum. So doing things like I'm talking weeks in advance, even if it's a dinner party, set your table the week prior and you know, if your your kids need to eat dinner at the table, that's fine. You can kind of like still keep the tablescape nice. Or my kids love a floor picnic <laughs> sometimes because I'm like, the table's set. I don't want to mess it up. So let's, 
we're just going to put a blanket down and eat on the floor or we'll eat outside. It's like a fun, fun little treat for them. And I did that, you know. Yeah. I mean, it kind of switches up their routine. It makes it more fun for them. So, you know, set the tablescape early clean your house early. So that way you just have to like do a bit of touch up the day before or something. And it's not like a big overwhelming task. And when it comes to cleaning, I always say there's like three places that you need to clean the bathroom that's going to be used the most, whether that's like, you know, a half bath on your main floor or a hall bathroom, whatever, whichever one your guests are going to be in, clean that bathroom. You don't have to clean all of your bathrooms. And wherever the food's going to be, you should clean. So generally that might be like the kitchen. And when I say clean, I like I personally am not going like floor to ceiling, ceiling to floor in all the nooks and crannies. I'm just wiping things down. It's not anything over the top or crazy. And then the other place to clean is the the place wherever the party is going to be. So if it's, you know, on your patio or on your deck, you want that kind of to be picked up and clean. Or if it's in your living room for game night, then you want that picked up. But I think a lot of times we think the whole house has to be clean and I just went and talked to a mops group of my sister-in-laws and I asked everybody to raise their hand if they noticed like dust on bookshelves the last time they were invited to somebody. Nobody raised their hand because no one is looking for that stuff when they come to your house. They like want to be fed. They want to talk with you. They don't care how clean your house is. They're probably thinking more about themselves than they are you and your house. So don't stress over cleaning. Just do a couple things in those key places. Plan ahead, set decorations out you know, chop everything up you need for food well ahead of time. So if you plan way ahead and you get that stuff done and you're just kind of assembling on the day of, then your stress is going to be at a minimum. And even if things don't go as planned, it's going to be okay. Absolutely. It will be okay. It'll probably make a great memory, actually. So I'll go ahead and ask now because I ask everyone because I really want people to know that things don't always go as planned. And it's okay (laughs) if they don't. Do you want to tell us about a time when things didn't go just the way you wanted? Sure. I have a lot of those stories. (laughs) (laughs) One that sticks out is my husband's 30th birthday party. This was before we had kids. It was a a big over-the-top thing. We had lots of people. There was a party bus, a rooftop, cabana. We went back to our house. It was a whole thing. And I didn't think about the fact that by the time we got back to our house and it was like late at night, middle of the night, midnight, whatever it was, you know, we were young and out having fun, that people would be hungry when they came back to our house. And I had like no food prepared because we had food at the birthday party, but then a lot of people came back to our house. So I was, you know, 1 a.m. in the morning making grilled cheese in my kitchen to feed a bunch of people that were at my house. And it was like, you know, we just got to use what we have. And this is what we have right now. And I don't care that I'm feeding, you know, 30-year-olds grilled cheese because we're all drunk and hungry. So we're going to eat anything at this point. But it was just something that I completely overlooked or didn't think about. But it all worked out. And it's it's always a fun memory thinking back. Like one of our friends who is a, a really big guy, I don't know, like six, four, 200 pounds, this big, and he's at the stove with me, like buttering bread and making grilled cheese. And I always Every, t- every time I think of him, I'm like, hey, remember that time we made grilled cheese in the middle of the night because we were drunk and, you know, hungry? <laughs> That's so funny. I love that. Yes. And at 1 a.m., no one is concerned about what they are getting. Exactly. They're just thrilled to have something. And I'm sure they think it tastes even better than it actually did. Yep, probably. Well, in a nutshell, what is the one piece of advice that you would give the new hostess that's just getting started? I would say just generally, like, don't let your fear hold you back. If you 
are feeling inclined to invite someone over, just do it. Even if it's starting small with one person or one family or one neighbor, whatever it might be, just do it. Don't let the fear of doing it hold you back because you could be keeping something really great from your life if you if you don't. So make sure you get over the fear or do it afraid and just invite someone over anyway. So true. And they can start small. They don't have to have a dinner party for 12 the first time. They can invite their neighbor, no, their mom, whoever. <laughs> exactly. A dinner party for 12 even kind of scares me. And I've, you know, done quite a bit of that. So it, that's stressful. It, it can be, or it can seem overwhelming for someone that's new to entertaining or the people that you mentioned, you know, that feel like they don't have any friends to invite over, which is probably the most important people that need to be inviting people over so that they will have friends to invite over and connect with. Exactly. Well, that leads us to our speed round. Are you ready? Oh, I forgot about this. Oh, I'm excited. <laughs> what is your all-time favorite snack? Oh, gosh. Popcorn? What's a food that you hate? Peas. Favorite place that you've traveled? Oh, this is really hard. So we lived in England for the last three years, and we did a bit of traveling, not as much because of COVID. I would say that I thoroughly enjoyed our time in Scotland. Yeah, Scotland. Love it. If you ever go to the UK, go to Scotland. What made you love it? So many things. I think because we were so restricted to leaving the country while we were there, it was drivable for us as Americans. We didn't think a five to eight hour drive was really that far, but most Brits thought we were crazy when we would drive to Scotland because that just seemed super far to them. They would fly, which boggled my mind when you can get in a car and drive five hours. But it was nice that it was close enough to drive too. And the highlands of Scotland are just absolutely beautiful. It's just, I don't know, open and like the nature is really great there. It's just really pretty. I was looking forward to your answer because I knew you'd been so many places that you would have a good advice for where to go. I would say like Paris is probably next on that list, but we did Paris as a family. And so it's a little bit different with kids. Like we didn't get to go to a lot of museums because I wasn't going to subject my, you know, five-year-old <laughs> walking through a museum, but Paris is also great. Oh, I would love to go. Now, who is your teenage celebrity crush? Oh, J.C. Chasse from NSYNC. Not, I was not a Justin person. I was a J.C. person. And last, what's your favorite cookbook? Okay, this is funny. Me, I just don't like cookbooks. <laughs> okay, that's um, good enough. Yeah, I generally just don't like following recipes. I don't know. I just kind of throw things together. And where do you get your inspiration when it comes to throwing things together? I would say... Typically Pinterest. So I will, especially when it comes to really cooking anything, I really enjoy cooking. I enjoy cooking for my family. I enjoy cooking for others when we host and stuff. But if I have like a theme, it's helpful to kind of narrow down the inspiration. And then I'll just go to Pinterest and type in, you know, like Italian night dinner and see what's on there. And I will like look through some stuff and then just be like, okay, I can like make something out of general inspiration I got. Or I'll read one recipe and be like, I think I can do that. And I won't follow it. I'm just like, I remember it had these ingredients and you kind of do it in generally this order and it typically works out okay. But I will say 
my family gets frustrated, I think, sometimes because I'll make something mostly following a recipe. And then like a few weeks later, I'll make it again. And I'm like, oh, I made this one. So I don't need to look at the recipe again. And it just never tastes the same. So there is something to be said about following the recipe. I just never seem to do it. That drives me crazy when I can't remember what I've done to recreate yeah. a recipe. Because I have definitely fallen into that trap for sure. And oh, it makes me so mad because I know it was so good one time. And now, you know, it's yep. still good, but it's not exactly the same. I need to take better yep. notes, I think, when I'm cooking. But well, this has been so fun, Amy. I'm so glad that you came here today and you really, I think you really spoke to the fears that some people have. I'm sure all of us have some of those to some degree, just whether or not we let it stop us when it comes to entertaining. So I know that my listeners got so much value from you today. Thank you so much for being here. You want to tell us where our listeners can find you online, like your website, social media, that sort of thing. And of course, your podcast. Yeah, sure. Yeah. So the podcast is Conversations with the Hostess. It's pretty much anywhere you get podcasts, Apple, Spotify, all that. And you can find me on any social media at The Daily Hostess. And the website is thedailyhostess.com. So you can find all of those through various ways there. And thank you so much for having me. This is fun. It's always fun to talk to somebody that enjoys hosting and entertaining as much as I do. Oh, I'm so glad that you're able to do it. Thank you again. Thank you. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Happy Hostess Podcast. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe, rate, and review it on your podcast app. It would mean the world to me. If you need links for anything mentioned during this episode, head over to happyhostesscollective.com and you'll find them in the show notes. A new episode comes out every Tuesday, and I can't wait for you to tune in next time. Until then, have a great week.